wouldn't you be afraid of the fire? Like you'd be justified not to go back in, but you would go back in because you loved your child more than you were worried about the fire. And God loves these people, even though we might not understand them or know their faces, but he loves them as much as he loves us. And we have hearts that just burn for these people who don't know Jesus. And happen to this, could happen to this, all that stuff can happen. It can happen here in a lot of ways. But if we love them enough, if we try to see them with God's eyes, we understand how much he loves them and how great the need is for us to go share Jesus with them. If they don't know the truth about Jesus, they're going to be lost forever. I had a friend of mine who went over there, and I'll make a real long story short, what had happened is after they finally talked to the guy and he came to faith, he said, why did it take a thousand years to can't tell me about this? What happened to my family and my child died? Why did you wait so long? And that's, and that's what the heart we have to have. And I know it's difficult, but the best thing you can do, and that's what I do is, like Greg was saying, that prayers are the most precious. And if you could, the prayers of the saints are Peter Roma living up into heaven. And so if you would just continue to put us in that way, it would be an incredible thing that I couldn't ask for. For your time, I'll be back if you got questions or anything else. I just thank you for the time. Thank you. I'm glad that you're here today. Happy Father's not there. Uh, we are wrapping up our life in the Castle series today. And uh, it's a we've been talking about the difficult job of parenting and, and how there's a lot of demands and a lot of pressures and a lot of uh, things that require us to do in the world in which we live in. Regardless of the age of children, parenting has its challenges. And the thing about parenting, you never quit being a parent. One of the things that's nice is there's some formula that we could plug in, and if we did X, Y, and Z, we'd get the desired result. But it just doesn't work that way because there is no formula. You can and, and follow Scripture and the guidance of the Holy Spirit and trust God with the outcome. That's the best thing we can do. And so... Through this, at what the scripture has to say to us about raising our children. Uh, we kick off by looking at some biblical principles for families, and then last week we daughters, and we talked about the princess, how to play pretty, pretty princess, and how to make your daughter the, the princess of scriptures, uh, and about how we can take our sons and raise them into, we can help uh, the, the young man, the man that intended for them to be a parent of a boy or an uncle to a boy, you are friends with, you know of our boys. This is because each and every one of us. On a different level, have influence life, and, and we need to, to take that seriously. Uh, from the beginning of the Middle Ages, knights have been seen as these chivalrous men who fought to protect honor and value, valor and the occasional damsel stress, and that's what all the fairy tales are written about, right? And knights were, well, they were and, and they had this, this code they followed, and this knight's code had several key principles. They were taught to fear God and to maintain church, taught to serve them with valor and honor. They were taught to protect the innocent and the weak and the defenseless in the land. This included orphans and widows. They were prohibited from offending other people or taking in a monetary reward. The honor simply said that they had to speak the truth to fit And if you have a son, wouldn't you want your son to turn out like that? I think that's a pretty good list if, if we were to think about it. And so we're going to kind of look at how we can do that today. How can we raise our sons to have strength and and courage, and, and honor, and conviction in their life. And, and I think those are things that we can instill in our children. We can try. It's pretty simple, but it's not easy. And there's no formula. This what we're going to talk about. It's not an exhaustive list. These are not the only things you should teach your son, obviously. But I think it's, there's some key values to train boys or raising boys into nights. And I invite you to follow along in your bulletin and fill in a few of these blanks. And, and we're going to go through this this morning. The first thing is this. We need to teach him to embrace Leadership. Teach him to embrace leadership. The Bible tells us that men were created to be leaders. Hang with me. 
1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 says, Now I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. Popular statement. And I've got a few eyebrows going at me right now. But as we've talked about before, you attend PCC long enough, you're going to be offended. Because God's Word, whenever it bumps up against what we think and what we like and what's comfortable for us, when that happens, it's offensive to us. And we don't like what it's saying. It's not men versus women or, or how the, the truth is that we're all created equal in God's sight. And Jesus was the biggest liberator of women. If you read through the Scripture, you find that He was. And if you think that, that I'm on some ego trip and I'm going to stand up here and tell you that women have to be kept in their proper place and all that stuff, well, then I encourage you to listen to last week's message or stay tuned for point three when we're really going to talk about this in a little more detail. So uh, there's, there's some things to be said. But for this point, I, I just want us to accept the fact that, that men were created to be leaders. Scripture tells us that. In fact, we read quite often that God created men to be the spiritual and relational leaders some men, as well as some women, are gifted with leadership beyond the simple ability to lead. It's, it's God's gift that he gives to, to different individuals. They have the gift of leadership and have the skills to lead companies and organizations and, and churches. They have specific things that, that God has given men and women. But, but God has given men the potential for leadership. But oftentimes what, what I've seen and in talking with other people, men, we just don't develop that leadership. We don't exercise it. We use it. If you go back to the book of Genesis, you see uh, Adam and Eve, the first man and woman created, and you go to, to Genesis chapter 3, you see Satan is in the form of a serpent, and he is doing what? Well, he's doing what he does best. He's tempting, and he's tempting Eve to eat the fruit. And as he's doing that, he says, no, you're not going to die. You won't die. In fact, you're going to become like God. You're going to have all this wisdom, and, and that's what God's afraid of. God's afraid of becoming like him, and that was the temptation. Now, you would expect at this point for Adam to come running in, right? He should be the knight in shining armor for Eve. He should come in and protect her to rescue his bride. After all, God had given both of them the command. He told both of them, don't eat of the fruit. But when Eve was tempted, where was Adam? Was he out farming? Was he, you know, naming all the animals? Was he, you know, taking a trip to the Wawa? What was Adam doing? Well, what we find out is that he was right there with her. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, key phrase, who was with her, and he ate it. Satan tempts Eve while Adam is right there with her. And when Adam was called to take on leadership, he was passive. When Adam was called to, to stand up and, and to be the leader, he just stood there. He refused to take on that responsibility. He refused to take action. And, and sometimes, guys, if, if we're honest, we fall into that temptation too. We just kind of get passive. We just let things happen. We shirk our responsibility. And that's why it's important that we need to start teaching our children, teaching our sons to Embrace this idea of leadership. Have you ever wondered why the Bible constantly calls men to love their wives and to lead their homes? I think it's because we have a natural tendency to kind of bend away from those responsibilities, to not do those things. Most of the of guys, you know, we, we can kind of relate to that. You're, you come home from the day, at the end of the day and you're tired and it's really easy to tune out the family. It's easy to sit on the sideline and to let someone else engage the family. Let the TV, let the video game, let the coach, let the mom, let the neighbors, let the friends, let someone else engage your children. You see it at home. You see it at the church. Sometimes we're just good guys at just letting things 
go and letting someone else take care of it. And what families need are, are men who will provide moral and spiritual direction. Men who will show up. Men who will show true courage and true strength and true initiative each and every day of their life. And, and the reality is that this is hard work. That being a leader is difficult. You have to make tough decisions. And you're not always appreciated when you make those tough decisions. In fact, oftentimes you're criticized as you are a leader. And that may be why for many men it's easier to, to kind of adopt this low-stress model of being a parent or, or being a husband where I'll go to work and then I'll come home and I'll just watch TV or I'll go play golf or I'll work in the yard or I'll watch movies or do whatever. And that way I can just kind of avoid engaging. But when we do that, I think we're not living up to our full potential. Even though it's easier to let someone else do it, real men take the leadership potential that God has created and put in each every one of us and they develop it and they work on it and they utilize it. And parents, we need to realize that that's what our son needs. Our son needs to be taught that and we need to begin instilling that within them at an early age that they are to be a leader. That God has created him to act and to be a leader. Sociologist Stephen Clark says, men assume social responsibility most naturally and effectively when these two things are true. The first one is, when it's clear to them that the primary responsibility for the well-being of others rests on them and that others are relying on them. In other words, whenever they know that it's up to them and no one else is going to do it, that's when a guy will step up. The second reason that he says that uh, men take on the responsibility of leadership is when they have been trained from an early age by the men in their lives to recognize and assume that responsibility faithfully. And what that tells me is we need to start teaching our children at an early age, especially our sons, that, that they need to embrace this thing of leadership. We need to plant it in their life so that they will understand that they are to lead. And it doesn't matter how old or how young your son is, you can start teaching him that truth, that God created him to be a leader. And you embrace that, encourage him to embrace that, and, and show him how that is done. We need to teach our sons to embrace leadership. The second thing that I think we need to teach our, our sons is we need to teach him to follow a moral code of conduct. We need to teach not only our sons, but all of our children that there is, there's some things that are just absolute. Some things don't change. And things that don't shift and things that, regardless of the situation, are always going to be true. And that's what we're supposed to pattern our life after. Moses told the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And in the following verses, it goes on to, to talk about how they're supposed to put them on their doorposts. They're supposed to, to keep the commandments uh, visible. And they're supposed to keep them, them always on their children's mind. It was their responsibility to make sure that their children knew the things that God wanted them to know. And can I tell you, that hasn't changed. Parents, it's still your responsibility, it's still my responsibility to, to teach our children those things that God has in store for them. And so that they will not only hear them, but they will apply them. That they will work on them and they will pass them on after you've passed them on to them. I would guess that if we were to take time and everybody had a piece of paper, we were to start writing down a list of the attributes and characteristics of what we wanted our sons or even our children to have, that list would probably be pretty similar. We would all have you know, relatively similar lists. Things like having purity and integrity and being honorable and, and keeping your word and being disciplined and, and lots of things like that. But there are things that we need to make sure that we teach our children that 
are just non-negotiable. God's truth. His Word. And, and we have to, to continually present His truth to our children in, in various ways. One of the ways that sociologists tell us that we need to do this is by having rules in our home. And I understand that, that rules aren't real popular, especially for the younger crowd. They don't want rules. And yet, what study after study after study shows us is that uh, whenever we have rules in a home, that a young person grows up to be more self-disciplined. The National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse has released a study a few years ago on teens and substance abuse. And their main finding was that was this, is that teens whose parents have established rules in their house have better relationship with their parents and substantially lower risk of smoking, drinking, and using illegal drugs than the typical teen. Now, is that the formula that we can use and get the guaranteed result? No. There is no formula. And yet, we know that it, it tells us that if you have rules in your home, well, then you have a better chance of helping your child avoid these things. Sometimes we think that, that having rules is a way to keep people from having fun. A lot of times we look at God that way. And we think that what God tells us we can't do is, is some way restricting for us. God wants to keep us from having fun. And yet, we need to realize that obeying God really gives us freedom. Because God tries to protect us from maybe our worst enemy, which oftentimes is who? Ourselves, right? And God's Word is, is there to protect us. And, and we need to teach our children that, that God's Word is there for us. We see in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, Jesus said, If you hold to My teachings, you are really My disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The reality and the truth is that obedience to God leads to freedom. It leads to blessings. It leads to reward. How many of you are familiar with the story of Daniel? Daniel in the lion's den, maybe? How many of you are familiar with Daniel before Daniel in the lion's den? Maybe you know, Daniel chapter 1? Okay, a few people. That, that's good. It, whenever we find Daniel for the first time there in, in Daniel chapter 1, um, he is alive in a very difficult time for the nation of Israel. In fact, he is there when the Israelites are being conquered by Babylon. And it tells us that the finest of the young men in Jerusalem were taken captive. And those those sons that were from royal families or, or noble birth or social standing, and they were taken back to Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar says, I want you to treat these boys right. I want you to educate them. I want you to give them all the riches that our country have to offer to them. I want you to give them the finest of food and the finest of drink and, and let them really live up life. And it was Daniel who followed a strict code. And he refused to eat the king's prescribed diet. In fact, the man that was in charge of Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who we know better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were with Daniel there in Daniel chapter 1. And we, we read that the man who was in charge of Daniel and his friends said, hey, you guys got to eat this stuff. You got to do this or I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. And Daniel said, I'll tell you what, give us 10 days. Give us 10 days of not eating what you're giving us, but let us eat what we know we should eat. And let us follow our code. And let us follow what God has told us. And after 10 days, test us and see. See if we're doing okay. Let, let's see what happens. And so he agrees. And we read in Daniel chapter 1, verse 17, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kind of literature and learning. God blessed them because they stood up for their convictions. They had a moral code of conduct that had been passed down from their parents and they stuck to it even when their parents weren't around. Parents, isn't that what we want? 
our children to follow those things that, that, that should, they should follow even when we're not around looking over their shoulder. We need to teach our children that, that following God is, is a blessing. It's a blessing to obey God. There are rewards for obeying God. Sometimes the reward is having good character or a clear conscience or, or sometimes it's a lifestyle that's reflected in, and impacts and, and influences other people. We need to make sure that our sons know this code of conduct in God's Word and we need to encourage them and challenge them and hold them to following so that they can embrace that and, and be godly in that way. There's a third thing that I think we need to teach. Uh, and this is point three that I alluded to earlier. We need to teach him to respect the opposite sex. Part of a knight's code had to do with this treatment of women and caring for them. And you don't have to read very far in the newspaper or watch the nightly news to find out that, that there's a lot of men out there who are not acting like knights. They're just not. You hear about domestic violence. We read the studies about date rape and other crimes against women. We live in a society that doesn't respect women very much, doesn't respect the role of women very well. And, and I know a lot of guys who wouldn't do those major things that probably aren't going to make the, the evening news. But guys, maybe you go home and speak harshly to your wife. Maybe you speak demeaning words or in some way you degrade your wife or your children, and you're disrespectful. Maybe through your, your actions, you look at women as objects. The Bible is very clear, guys, that, that it's our responsibility to care for and to respect and protect and provide for the opposite sex. Men are to treat women right. We're to treat women with honor and, and with valor. Jesus was an amazing example of this. He elevated the role of women in a culture that didn't really think very highly of women. He loved them. He respected them. He included them. He taught them. He, he made sure that, that they were involved in what was going on. And it was very revolutionary for that day and age. Women were not included. In fact, they were just kind of cast off to the side. And Jesus included them. He brought them in. When Paul wrote to men about how they're to love their wives, he used the example of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 25, says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to Himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. The biblical example of how men are to treat women is one of service and of sacrifice. And guys, I just want to talk to you for a minute. And women, it'd really be better if you didn't listen, because it'd take a little bit of pressure off the guys. So just... Guys, here's some things, and I know that, you know, growing up in the Midwest, I may be seen as old-fashioned, and maybe this, you're going, yeah, come on. But these are some things that, that my father taught me, and I am teaching my sons. And I think, they're, they're not scriptural, okay? This is the, you know, gospel according to Craig. But I think these are things that, man, if we would do these things, I think it would make a difference. I think these are some practical things that not only should you start teaching your son to do, but you should start doing them as well. And I just think it would make a big difference to the women in your life. Things like opening the door for them. It doesn't matter if it's a car door or a door to a building or whatever. Just open the door for them. It's a simple thing. But open the door for them. Walk on the curbside of the street. Now, 
You may be going, guys are going, yeah, that was an old-fashioned thing when they threw out the bathwater to get wet. I don't care. It's one of those things of just respect, of just walking on the curb side of the street. I drive Michelle nuts because I'm always changing the side that I'm walking on. It has to move her purse over. You know, it's just one of those things. But, but I just think that's something we should do. We need to pull out her chair, not so she falls, but pull out her chair so she can sit down. You know, do those things. In formal situations, guys, I, I think we need to stand when a woman enters the room or leaves the room. It's just a sign of, of respect. I think we need to allow her to go first. And that's, again, easy to do if you've opened the door for her. And just allow her to, to have that respect and that place of honor. We need to make eye contact when we're talking to her and not focus on other areas. It's a sign of respect. It's treating her the way she deserves to be treated. And, and I want to talk to a few of the guys over here. Um, maybe you're over here and you're still dating. But if you're dating and you're driving, can I tell you something? When you pull up to the house, don't honk. I had another dad, I read this, some other dad said, if you pull up in my driveway and honk, you better be dropping something off because you're not picking anything up. (laughs) And guys, especially teenagers, can I tell you something that will maybe be a little weird? It's a lot weird. Before you even ask a girl out, would you have the courage to ask her dad if you could ask her out? Now dads, how many of you would go, that's a different young man? Wouldn't he have your respect? He would be something different. And we need to be different. We need to to have a different standard to which we live by. We need to to do those things. Guys, we need to protect the women in our life. We need to to make sure that we're protecting them. We need to to help her with her coat, her jacket. Help her put it on. Help her take it off. It's a simple thing. Help her out of the car. Extend your hand. Getting in and out. Again, easy to do if you've opened the door for her. Kale and I race around the car to see who can get to the doors first to open it for my daughters and my wife. It's one of those things that it's just treating her with honor and respect and it's going overboard. And guys, the reason I say all that is because of this. I believe firmly that if you treat her like a queen, she'll make you feel like a king. And you wonder why you're not the king of your castle? Maybe because you're not treating the woman like a queen. I think it falls back on the guys to to treat the woman with respect. And it doesn't matter if it's the wife or the girlfriend or the sister or whoever, the co-worker, the classmate. Guys, we need to treat the women in our life with respect. And we need to teach our sons to have respect. Fourth thing, we need to teach him that following Christ is an adventure. We need to make sure that we all realize that following Christ is a great adventure. Uh, certainly, we, we need to introduce him to Jesus. We need to provide the environment in which we can share our story and how we came to our faith. We need to see the, exa- the our sons need to see the example of our walk and our belief. We need to talk about our faith. We need to live out our faith. We need to do these things. Be sure that we talk about the Bible and how it applies to our life. Make sure that your son has friends, and make sure your son has good friends. And it's okay to know who your son's friends are. All right. It's okay to check up on him a little bit because that's what parents do. It's it's important that your son, that that your children, that they get involved in church, that they come to PYC, that they attend Treasure Park classes, that they do the, the fun things, they build relationships, and you allow them to have the opportunity to work with the amazing youth staff that we have here at the church to, to partner with you as you as parents influence your child, especially your son, for Christ. 
There's more to it than just getting your son in the building and making sure that he sits still and he's being good and doesn't cause a disruption. There's more to it than that. When the Bible describes a Christian life, it's not boring. It's not spineless. It's not wimpy. Following Christ is an adventure. Uh, Christians ought to be courageous and, and passionate and intentional about the way in which we live our lives. If all we've done is challenge believers to be passive and to be nice, then I think we've missed part of what God wants us to do. He's challenged us to be daring and bold and fully devoted followers of Christ. And it doesn't mean we take stupid risks, but we're willing to take risks for Him. We need to understand that this life is an adventure. That following Christ is an adventure. That's one of the things that I think is cool about PCC and about the guys that we have here. We have guys who are, are guys, if you know what I mean. We, we've got tough guys and athletic guys and smart guys and manly guys and guys who, who know how to work, guys who know how to think and do all these things. And when guys from this church get together, they are, well, they're just men. They smell. They're, they're loud. They, they build stuff. They break stuff. They grill stuff. They watch fights. They go rafting. They participate in sports. They compete. And I'm so glad that's the case. I'm so glad that, that we have men who are modeling what it is to be men. Men who are taking the bull by the horns and doing those things. That they're, they're tough and they're strong and they're courageous. And while at the same time, I've also seen them be tender and loving and compassionate and caring and respectful. They work faithfully. They'll even cook dinner. They'll coach soccer. They help other people. They help with homework. They counsel people. They come to church with their family. Sometimes they even come without their family. They are encouraging their family. They read the Bible. They pray. They have accountability with other men. And they're not perfect. I've yet to meet a guy who's perfect. And yet, we're trying. We're trying to live out this adventure every day. To take one more step each and every day of our life. To do those things. And that's one of the things I appreciate about the guys here at PCC. Because they're willing to take on that adventure. And to model that adventure for the younger men in this congregation. There's a story in the Old Testament about a, a man by the name of Jonathan who was the son of King Saul. King Saul was the first king that the Israelites had. And King Saul began to not fully follow God the way that he should. And everything's kind of building to this point in 1 Samuel chapter 14, where the text tells us that they're in this battle, and God has already said, hey, the battle is yours, go take them, go conquer the Philistines, and you can have this battle, and all everything's in place for this to happen, and where do we find Saul? Saul's sitting down. Saul's doing nothing. And as a result, the, the Philistines have come in and kind of cut him off at the pass, they're not making any progress and nothing is happening. And, and look at what the son of King Saul, look at what Jonathan does in verse 6 of chapter 14, the book of 1 Samuel. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those un uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. You see, Jonathan had heard God when God said, Hey, this battle is yours. All you got to do is go. So Jonathan's like, Let's go. Let's follow God. Let's live in this adventure. He was allowing God to be the center of his life, to, to allow him to control what he was going to do. And he took some risk, and, and God rewarded him. And he was a, a real fighter, a real warrior. He was 
a real man. And I think that, that we need to teach our children. We need to teach our sons. And maybe we need to learn ourselves that believing and, and following Christ is an adventure. And we may not always get to carry a sword, right? We may not get to do those things. We may not have a shield to ward off our enemy. But there are things that we do fight and things that we do have to tackle and things that we must do. Maybe it's, it's battling the, a temptation in our life. Maybe it's, it's battling a challenge within your family. You may be wrestling with a desire and you're trying to keep your desires in check. Maybe it is that, that you're struggling with the decision that you have to make. Can I encourage you that those are the things that your son needs to see? Those are the things that your son needs to understand. It's not about saying all the right things and doing all the right things and having it all in line all the time and having everything perfect. It's the adventure. It's discovering and experiencing what God has in store for you. What God is leading you to do. Parents, and especially fathers, I really want to encourage you to talk to your son about how you struggle making decisions. How you struggle with maybe being more generous. How you desire to be rich in good deeds, but it's really easy to be selfish. Because the last thing that you want your child, the last thing you want your son to think is that, oh, that's easy. He needs to understand the struggle. So that he too can know that struggling is okay as long as he's continuing to work through what God has in store for him. Share with him that that temptations are there. And that he's going to face temptations. And you must intentionally strive to be pure. Because it's not going to happen on its own. You need to to share that sometimes you really struggle with your anger. You really just get angry easily and and share how you overcome that. Guys, maybe you need to admit to yourself, and it's important that I think to admit to your sons that that you fear failure, and yet you trust in God. You need to share these things with your son. Teach him these things. Teach them the spiritual truths. Be sure that you're teaching by example because you know your children are watching you. And that's a scary thing. They're going to remember what you did more than what you said. So be sure that you're guarding your actions because your actions say a lot about what you truly believe and what you truly think. And dads, can I remind you that you're the key to all of this? Now, I don't want to you know, diminish the role of the woman, diminish the role of the mother because that role is important. It, it truly is. And yet... Study after study after study has shown that what a son needs is an investment from a strong male influence in his life. His father. And if it can't be his father, then it needs to be some other man who's engaged in that boy's life. Someone who's taking an interest. Someone who's more than just commenting on a Facebook status or showing up at the game or even coaching the team. Those things are great, but it has to be more than that. You're called to way more than that. The adventure of being a parent is far greater than that. And we need to engage that. Because if we don't, then our children will not have the tools that they truly need as they go out into the world. And if we fail to do these things with our sons, then I think we fail to turn them into modern day knights, which is where we need to be striving to lead them. So why have we spent all this time talking about raising kids and parenting? Well, I think it's important. I think it's important that we do these things. It's a lot of hard work as we raise our children. And yet we need to encourage one another and strengthen one another and challenge each other and educate one another and share with one another and hold each other accountable and just say, wow, you really messed that one up. And then applaud when they do it right and encourage them every step of the way as we strive to honor God with everything that we say and do. We're not going to get this parenting thing perfect and yet if we're going to live in the castle, which we are, then our life can be truly 
life and life to the full if we're willing to follow Jesus. And maybe that's the best thing you could do with your life. In fact, I know it's the best thing you could do with your life. And maybe today you need to honor God in that way and you need to turn your life over to God and, and to make Him the Lord and Savior of your life. Maybe you need to, to say, you know what, I need to not only teach my children these things, but I need to adopt these things in my own life as well. And this morning we want to extend an invitation to you to respond to God's Word and to respond to what God is doing in your life. To receive Him as your Lord and Savior. To accept His love in your life and to allow Him to influence you and to change your life forever, to truly discover and experience His love in a way maybe like you never have before. Maybe in your life today, you just want somebody to pray with you, somebody to encourage you. We have decision counselors that are going to be there, ready and willing to pray with you and to encourage you and, and to be there for you. The band's going to lead us in this invitation song, an invitation to you to respond to what God is doing. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And if you want to talk to someone, you make your way over to the cross, and we'll meet you there.